Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. How are you guys this morning? Good. My name is Kevin Bear. I'm the college pastor here at our Southwood campus. So glad you are with us this morning. If you have a Bible um, or a phone with a Bible app on it, you can jump to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 25. So you can flip over there. Um, So glad we're here. You're here with us this morning. And just so you know, in case it's not clear, there is free food at the tail end of this. So you came on the right day. All right. You just came on the right day. So Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. I'm going to read a couple of verses for us. I'm going to pray for us one more time, and then we will jump in. It says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near, with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another toward love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray one more time. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you so much for these words from the the author of Hebrews to to call us to come near to you, come near to the, the throne of grace where we can receive forgiveness of sins, but more than that, to come near to one another, that we were bought by the blood to be near the Father, but near the body, near one another. So Lord, I pray that as we look at what it looks like to to start with us, to start with the body of Christ, I pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds, and show us how we might really benefit the world when we come together. I lift up this time in your name. It's in your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, this summer was the f- really the first summer I took my family to the beach and so I've got four kids, my wife and I, and we took our in-laws as well. And we had gone to the beach before, but uh, the older three were really too young to remember it. So this was the first time we went to beach. We went to Port Aransas, and it was the first time they actually remembered it. And so I got some photos, uh, beach family vacation. You ready for this? Uh, so this is our, our, my beautiful family at the beach. Uh, uh, we were supposed to all jump at the same time, um, and that's why some are flying higher than the others. And... Uh, but it was so fun. So uh, I, all the way to the right is my daughter, Peyton. That's my wife, Hillary. Then Jesse, Micah, me, and my daughter, Juliet. And we had such a fun time at the beach. And, and it was great just like getting out in the waves and jumping. And so I had to show as the daddy uh, how to do this, right? So that's me skying over the wave. Uh, but what was so fun, if, if you had never watched a kid like go to the beach for the first time, there's there's so many new things that happen there. They, they're, they've been to the pool, but they never experienced salt water, right? 
And so the first time that wave came crashing into their face and they went, you know, just like that look in their face when they swallowed a mouthful of salt water was priceless. I wish I had the video to show you, right? And, and, And then they got a little better at it. I mean, as we spent there more time there, they got more excited and more adventurous. And so eventually the point, uh, daddy got out of the picture and they just went on their own into the ocean, like deeper into the ocean and just kind of had fun out there. And as they were out there, I don't know if you've ever done this. If you're only looking out further into the ocean, you kind of lose your bearings. And, And what ends up happening is there's a current that ends up pulling you down, down the beach, right? And so without even realizing it, they're all of a sudden 20, 30, 100 yards away from where they started down, down the side. And I'm like on the, on the shore, kind of chatting with my wife, hanging out. And all of a sudden I watch them drift further and further away. And I look over and I'm like, oh, this isn't good. This is like daddy problem 101. And then, so I'm like, hey, where are they going? And, and I watch them like come out of the water and start looking at the tents and like the, the random set up chairs, like looking for us and scared going, what happened? And I'm like, and I look over at them down the ocean. I'm like, hey, we're right over here. We're right over here. And every time I would go out again with them, I'd be like, okay, when you feel yourself starting to drift, look back to shore because there's a current pulling you away from where you started. And the reason I start there is because of this. There is a current in your culture. There is a current in your culture and it is pulling you in a direction. And the question I really wanna look at this morning, I wanna answer this morning is this, how do you fight that current? What is the current, number one, and how do you fight against that current of our culture? Well, I've been reading a lot about your generation in preparation for this year. And they've classified you, if you're not aware of it yet, your generation of people that are born between 1995 and 2010 as Generation Z. You are not millennials. You are part of an entirely new generation, Generation Z. And there's two things that I want to highlight this morning that are true, that are observed about your generation, about your peers, about your people that you interact with. And the first thing is this, that there is a drift from God. There's a pull, there's a current away from God. There's a man who wrote a book called Meet Generation Z, uh, Reaching the Post-Christian World. And he is doing an interview in in, uh, one of these religious news magazines. And in the interview, the the person asked him, he's like, okay, I'm not sure that there's this drift that you're talking about. Um, As we look at studies, more than 70% of Americans claim to be Christians. And then he responds, I would push back on that 70% being Christian at least in light of how the majority of that 70% are self-defining and self-designating the term. He goes on to write this. The people from the ages 18 to 29, in that age demographic, between 18 and 29, 39% would would place themselves in the none categories. So almost 40% of the people between the ages 18 and 39 would call themselves none, meaning no religious affiliation. And he says, of that two-thirds of Americans are not attending church regularly. One-third is, but two-thirds of Americans are, are voting themselves to be not affiliated with the church, to not attend weekly. And so this room being full is actually unique amongst your peers, your generation across the nation. So there's a, a drift, there's a distancing from God, but not just from God, there's a drift from face-to-face communication. And you, and you know this, this isn't news to you, Um, They've looked at studies about how people are communicating. They've said this, thanks to social media, we are the most connected society that has ever lived. 
Each second, people in the U.S. send more than 7,500 tweets per second, 1,300 Instagram photos or photographs, 2 million emails, and they view more than 119,000 YouTube videos each second. That's a lot of communication. That's a lot of connection. And we keep texting, and our lives literally depends on it. But they've looked at this and said, what, what is the result of this connection? What they found is it hasn't led to deeper relationships. It's actually led to three major problems. The first one is this, uh, depression. According to the 2016 fact sheet from the World Health Organization, depression is now the leading cause of disability growing to affect over 350 million Americans. There's an intense rise in depression. And, and, and people are, are trying to study this going like, Why? Why is there this huge surge in depression? Well, one study done at the University of Houston studied college students, and she found that, that more, the more time these people spend on Facebook, the more likely they were to experience mild depressive symptoms. Why? The researchers attributed this link to the psychological phenomenon known as social comparison. They said, I spend more time on the internet as I spend more time looking at other people's manicured lives, I don't feel better about myself. I don't feel more connected to them. I feel worse about myself. I feel less connected to them. But not just uh, the reality of depression, and this is all from uh, the Scientific American Journal. A second fact is this. We see that they are becoming addicted to this. According to a 2015, 2015 study of Millennial Communication Habits, by psychologist Kelly Leister-Landman, now at Delaware Community College. There you go. Text messaging has increased dramatically among adolescents. And the more they talk, the less connected they feel, is what they've seen. And the third problem, it's depression, it's addiction. They can't even stop it. In fact, parents have tried to like take away their phones, and they've watched their little kids, like their 13-year-old kids, like freak out. They're like, Give me the phone. They're like, no! And then they're like going, okay, how do I deal with my teenager when they're insane when I take away their device? It's led to an addiction. And not only that, an isolation. Researchers found that there's a deepening social bond that cannot be replicated by social media. In social media, you can share and like something with your friends, but you can watch the same YouTube dancing chip, chimp, right? But it's not the same as if you've done something together. See, scientists are studying this. These aren't even Christians. They're looking at your generation. They're looking at the social connection. They're seeing a distancing from God and a distancing from one another, even though there's more connection, you could argue, than ever before. And what we want to look at today is to go, what is the solution to this problem? How do we win? If the current is pulling us away from God and away from one another, how do we fight against the current and And how do we live a life that actually produces joy and peace and the life that God intended? And the reason I pulled us to Hebrews chapter 19 is because the author of Hebrews gives us the answer to this. He says, you've been connected to two places, to God and to his people. He starts in verse 19 and says it this way. Therefore, brethren... Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, did you see it? 
there's two connections. The first thing he says in verse 19 is this, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. He says there is an intimacy that's been missing, and it's the intimacy between you and your creator. And that bridge has been made by the person of Jesus. You can connect to God through the person of Jesus Christ. And, and he literally died in your place for your sins. There was a moment 2,000 years ago on a cross when Jesus, an innocent person, went to the cross and was killed. At that moment, everyone in the Bible claims this moment was a, was a bridging. It was a collision of two tragic moments. The wrath of God and the hate of man poured out on one person in one moment, that's Jesus Christ. And one of the most horrific moments in history, this man bridged humanity to its maker. And I say that what's really interesting about, about your generation, about your friends as you interact with them, is there is a desire for a connection with something deeper. There's a deep desire for a connection with something more. And I read this in this Generation Z book and it, it astounded me. So they did a study in Norway and they looked at how God was viewed in the, in the country of Norway, but a nation that's drifting further and further away from God. And what they found in Norway is that people are less and less interested in going to church or talking about God. But here's what they found. They, they're increasingly wanting to talk about spirituality. And so one person, um, a woman named Marianne Halb, um, I can't pronounce her name. She's Norwegian. She's a travel agency manager in Norway. And she says this, I, I, I don't really go to church, maybe on Christmas and Easter, but I believe in ghosts and she's not alone. In fact, the, the part of the royal family, they have a increasing prominence in this belief in ghosts. And they, the church literally, uh, the, they're supposed to be evangelical, part of the evangelical Lutheran church, but she is flirted with ghosts. The, the princess, okay, flirted with ghosts and is coaching people how to reach out to the spirits. One of the, one of the leading people in the royal family is saying, here's how you get spirituality within your, within your world. Like you want this, so here's how you get it. You just reach out to the spirits and I'll teach you how to summon ghosts and here's a spiritualist that'll help you along. It's so interesting. There's this move away from God, but that move away from God hasn't caused us to replace it with, with just being more secular. There's a hole of spirituality that they're still looking for some connection with. And it's not just over in Norway, it's in our own world. It's over here in America too. CBS um, head, Leslie uh, Mouvones, wrote this. After canceling Emmy-nominated and critically acclaimed Joan of Ar Arcadia, in which a young woman speaks to God in favor of the ghost whisperer, a supernatural drama about women who communicate with the spiritual world, Movings declared, I think talking to ghosts may skew younger than talking to God. Isn't that interesting? And she's right. It's, it's raised in popularity. Maybe you're not watching that show, but your friends are. And the people at CBS are going, how do I get this young, younger demographic? Talking to ghosts is more interesting to talk, than talking to God. They're not just drifting more secular and disbelieving in spirituality. They're trying to figure out a way to connect with something bigger than themselves if God isn't it, I will make up something to try to connect. John White, or, um, the author of this book, writes this. We live in a world that is more open than ever to spiritual things. Not defined religion, mind you, 
but spirituality and specifically the supernatural. A keenly felt emptiness resulting from a secularized materialistic world has led to a hunger for something more, but many are unable to go further than the search for an experience. See, we want to connect with something greater. There's a deep desire to connect with something more grand. And we're going to go to ghosts. We're going to spiritualists. We want to connect because even though we may not believe in God, there is an internal desire to connect with something greater than ourselves. And listen to your professors. Listen to secular scientists. When they're trying to figure out what is the earth, what created the earth, where did we all come from? A, a very prominent belief right now is this. Aliens, really smart aliens. Watch the History Channel. They're looking at the Bible and saying, how could, instead of God, it actually be an alien, a really intelligent life form that existed before us that created us? Even scientists are going, there's got to be something bigger that I can connect to. There's got to be something more in this world. And the Bible has been saying throughout history, there is. And his name is Jesus. He came into the world. He lived the life we could not live. He died the death we deserve to die. To connect you with the greatest thing the world has ever seen. And it's God. If you want to connect with something larger, you want to be, have this intimate connection with something divine, I'm telling you, this is how you get it through the person of Jesus Christ. But not only are we connected through intimate, intimate connection with the creator, he connects us with the community. Look at verse 21. He says this, verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, he says Jesus is like a priest over the house of God. A priest would act, offer sacrifices to God to make people in right relationship with, with God. And Jesus was the final sacrifice, but he wasn't just a sacrifice for you to be an individual. He was a sacrifice that brought you into a community. See, more than anything else, you are not meant to live alone. You are meant to be part of a community. And that's why he goes on to the next, in verse 22 to say this, come close, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies with pure water. He says, you have access to God. You have connected intimacy. You are part of a community and you can come close because you have regular access to God. Now, I just want you to think about that for a moment. The creator of everything wants you to come to him. The creator of all things past, present, and future, wants to have a relationship with you, wants to know you, and wants you to come in every day and spend time with him. Have, have you processed that? Have you, have you wrestled with that? The creator of everything wants to spend time with you. If you really think about that, you would go, okay, I'm just not sure because I'm just an individual. I'm going to a and I'm just a little dude, or I'm just a little chick, I'm cute, but, but I don't know if the creator of everything wants to spend time with me. In fact, there's a lot of debate about this. Does God actually want individual personal relationship with you? And some theologians have debated. They said, well, he is sovereign. He controls everything. And so I don't know that he would want an individualistic relationship with just a person. But another theologian chimed back and said this, you can go in 
if you're part of his family. So there's a famous picture of a former president, JFK. And he is there at the desk, the famous resolute desk, and his son, JFK Jr., is there right beneath his desk just playing around. And, and at one moment, you look at that and go like, okay, that was one time when his little kid was playing at the desk. But it's actually a common occurrence. In fact, he'd be dealing you know, with Russia problems. you know, And, and then like, his little kid would just be, be sitting there like, Daddy, I'm just going to play under here while you solve the world's problems, right? And it wasn't just one son, it was actually his, one of his other kids too, would just routinely come into his office, barge in, and just hang out with daddy. I love that. Because he's the king of the, or he's the, the president of the nation, right? One of the most powerful positions that our world has ever seen. And yet you see these little kids just walking in and be like, daddy, I'm just gonna play here, I'm gonna play right here, here's my train, you know, just hanging out in there. And I'm telling you what, the God of the universe is infinitely more powerful than the leader of the free world. And he wants you to come in. He says, draw close, come in. There is nothing you have done that's too big to not come to me. There is no mistake you have made in which you, that I would tell you, don't come close, you come near. Because listen, none of us are meant to live alone. You can't survive alone. So I was reading an article uh, this week about survivors, about people that survived like incredible, intense moments. And one of them was two fishermen. They were, uh, they were off of the, the East Coast and two fishermen that were on a boat fishing for crabs, right? So lobsters, crabs, so, you know, high-end fishermen. And as they're fishing for these lobsters off the shore, there's just two of them on this boat. His buddy is asleep below deck. And as he's moving this... Um, this case over to an area, suddenly the boat hits a, a wave and he falls off into the middle of the ocean. And as he's drifting there, he realizes, okay, my shoes kind of float. I'm going to take those off and, and float on them. And he's going, I'm going to, this may be it. Like, I literally may die. And then all of a sudden he sees two sharks starting to swim by. And he's like, this got a whole lot worse. And then he's like, what have I learned? Okay, stay calm, stay calm, just float, act like you meant to do it. You know, like that's kind of what he's doing in the middle of the ocean. And as he's kind of floating there, they, they swim off and he stays for about 24 hours just floating by himself until finally rescuers came. Like someone came like on a, on a helicopter and lowered down. They found out where he was. They had to search an area the size of Rhode Island in order to find him, but they found him and brought him in. And I look at that, and I'm like, that's an amazing story of rescue. And I look at that, if you've ever watched Survivor Stories, it's always about just making it through the moment because no one can survive alone. I mean, even if you watch Survivor shows where people are legitimately trying to survive in the wilderness, they can never do it alone, Right? And so they'll literally, they'll have no food. They'll be in this remote environment. Sometimes they're naked and afraid, you know, if you've watched those crazy shows. And, and they're, they're in the middle of nowhere. And as they get there in that crazy moment, they're just trying to make it work. And at no point in any of those shows do I ever see them like, yeah, well, we were, you know, we just chopped down a couple of trees and started building, you know, a little house. And now we've got running water and like, no. They're like, I hate these bugs. They're, they're terrified. They're like, 
emaciated after only like 20 days and and they get to the end they're like swimming out to the boat like thank you someone's here i'm like you all lost 40 pounds you couldn't start a fire and you barely made it this far until finally someone stepped in and brought you to civilization why because no one's meant to survive alone years ago there's a tv show called lost that came out yeah okay fans it's on Netflix, you can go watch it. And the, the premise of the story is like these people like, you know, crashed on an island and they're trying to like make life work. And, and they had like a lot of tools to start with, but you look at the whole time, they all, they can't build a sustainable culture, a sustainable society. And what's crazy is when the pilgrims came here a little while ago, like within five years, they built Harvard, you know? Like, like how is it that those people could build something great? Yeah, these people on an island for a little while, could never build something sustainable. Why is it that we can't go in alone and build something sustainable? It's because you're never meant to live alone. See, the Christian life, you come to God as an individual, but you will not survive in isolation. You need to be connected to God and to us. And that's why he says at the end of this chapter, verse 24, he says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another toward love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. He says, you are connected with God, the creator of everything, but not just God, you've been brought into us. See, the peace that you need is not just to, to be a lone ranger Christian, but a Christian who comes to God and comes to community. And there's a reason for that. It's because you need us to become better. You see, you don't realize that, that what you need, you can only be, it can only be met in community. I know when I first became a Christian, um, I was literally reading the Bible on my own, trying to do everything by myself. And I would come across some questions I could not answer. And so what I, what I did is I finally met a guy who connected me with one of the elders of the church I was going to in college. And I remember the first time I sat alone with Greg Grooms. The dude was, had a huge gray beard, flowy gray hair, and was just, just had that professor vibe, you know, just like really cool yet knowledgeable. And I just sat there with my Bible and I was like, look, I don't get this, 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 this. And I remember once a week, I would go sit in his office, ask him all the questions I had, and let this wise man help direct me. That's what the community has. You may think you're strong until you look at a seasoned Christian and realize how much you may be missing. Second thing is, there are roadblocks you can't overcome with community. Years ago, Pixar was, uh, was coming up, and they made amazing movies uh, apart from Disney. They started apart from Disney, so they made movies like uh, Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story 1 and 2, and so they, they basically changed the game when it came to making movies. And Disney's looking at this, and they're like, oh, crud, we can't make good movies anymore. What are we going to do? So what do they do? They bought Pixar, right? It's nice when you have unlimited resources, right? And what they realized is we don't, we don't have all the answers if we just go in it alone. We need to get wiser people around us to help us make better decisions. And so they bought Pixar. What they found is once Pixar came in, they completely changed the game of the entire organization. 
They started making better movies. The creativity influenced the entire organization. And I'll tell you what, when you come to us, you are bringing something unique. And if you want to know how to beat your sin, going in it alone, you don't have the tools. Because what you've been trying hasn't been working. What you need are older men and women, brothers and sisters around you to help you stand when you struggle. And you've been going at it alone, trying to, to will yourself to do more. But in order to really experience freedom, you need us. And so there's two things that, that you bring to the community and that the community brings to you. He says in verse 24, the first thing is this, let us consider how to stimulate one another toward love and good deeds. Let us stir one another up. You know what that word in Greek means? It means to irritate, to rub against. Let us stir one another up toward love and good deeds. And some of you are like, I don't know if I'm gonna go to church because those people irritate me. That's what they're supposed to do. It's a given by God. They will rub you the wrong way and you'll rub us the wrong way. And that's perfect because none of us are who we are supposed to be. We're supposed to grind on one another. We don't have all the answers. We're supposed to irritate one another a little bit so that each one of us become a little bit better, more refined. It says, let us, gr let us grind on one another so that we become more beautiful. But not just that we would rub each other the wrong way, not just we'd irritate one another. Verse 25 says this, not forsaking our assembling together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. He says, not only do we stir one another up, we strengthen one another. We help one another by encouraging one another. You know why we meet in rooms like this? You ever wonder? Does Kevin need a stage? It's an ego thing? No. The reason we come here is so that you might come together to become better and be encouraged to keep walking. The reason we have table hosts in this room isn't because we thought it would be cute. It's because we wanted men and women right in your mix, helping you to stand when you struggle, to encourage you to say, keep going. It's a tough week. It's tough interacting with those roommates or being in those classes or, or engaging in those challenges. These people are here to stir it up, encourage you. No, keep going. You can run harder. You can shine brighter if you just come and are part of this community. You'll get stirred up and strengthened as you come week after week. And that's our commitment to you. But there's something you bring to us. You shine bright too. We talked about our gifts last week. There's something you bring that we lose if you don't shine. There's something you bring that we lose if you don't encourage us and help us and help us stand. See, we need one another. We will die alone. But if we come together, we can really shine bright. So uh, every now and then I, I watch these videos. Um, of, of the earth at night. And they're basically pictures taken from, from telescopes as they circle around the earth. And uh, what's interesting about these videos, they're gonna, they're gonna hit the lights for us real quick. Um, what's interesting about these videos is you, as you watch them, you see all the lights of humanity across the world. 
And it's, it's really beautiful to see. Um, go, ahead and, go ahead and start it. And as, as, you watch, as you watch it, if we could watch it, it'd be a great point if I could make it. You see parts of the, the world that are completely dark, yet they're only lit up by the lights. There's a cool soundtrack for you. And so, so literally, like, there's these cool lights that just kind of flare, and you can see the, the population centers of these different continents across the world. And as it flows around, like, you see these people, right? I mean, these are like homes. These are businesses. These are, these are people that are shining lights into outer space. So if you were in a, in a spaceship going across the earth, you could see population centers shining brightly across the earth. This is the African continent, maybe. It's absolutely beautiful to see that. I don't know where that is. It's a long thing, but lots of lights. And, and I love that. And it's, it's, oh, it's, just kidding. It's Italy. There's the boot. Um, shiny bright Italy. Um, and it's, it's actually really cool to see like all the lights and all the people. And, and, I, and as I was thinking about this this week, um, I didn't go to Breakaway, but I heard they did something similar. Um, but I was like, forget it. I thought of it too. So it must be from Jesus. Okay. Um, and I just thought about for a moment, what if, what if just one light was shining? What if we just had one, one light in the distance of a dark room shining? And it, it, it shines and it's unique. I mean, we've got lights here, so it kind of kills the effect. But, but it's, but it's interesting to see one light in a dark room. But if we had a couple other lights shining, what a, what a couple of you just kind of throw up a phone real quick. There's one in the back. And look around when you've got a couple other lights shining in a dark room. That's, that's, good. that's good. That's good right there. Like, you, you see like a couple other lights just kind of flickering up. And, and keep holding them up. That's, that's good. That's good. I, I know it may have low battery life, but you can do it. it it's, it's cool to see those individual places, those individual people kind of shining in their individual spots, but, but there's something even more amazing that comes when lots of lights come together. If you have a phone, pull it out real quick. And I just want you to look around at your table, and I'd love for y'all to do something. I, I would love for you to kind of reach your phones together and just turn the thing up and start shining up. Just reach, reach your phones together. This worked better than in my head. This is great. <laughs> Here's what's so cool. Like, look around. Like, look how much brighter this room got just by that little LED light from my phone lighting it up. You know what we're supposed to be as, as the people of God? We're supposed to be lights that shine in, a dark, in the darkness. And you can try to shine alone. And you'll create a little bit of light. But when you get around a community of believers, when you get around people that are loving and caring and encouraging one another, that are stirring one another up toward loving good deeds, and you guys shine together, I tell you what, you cast a bright light. And the church is supposed to be people that cast a bright light in a dark world. And so my encouragement to you is to realize, I, 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 need, I need them. I might not always like them, but I need them. And maybe together, if we shine together, we could make a greater impact together than we could ever do alone. And that's my hope for us, 
That's why we're meeting. That's why we're encouraging. And I hope you continue to want to be a part of the light we could shine at Texas A&M, at Blinn, and beyond if we continue to come together. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you that we are not meant to live the Christian life alone. We're meant to live in community. And I pray that as, as we continue to come together, as we continue to encourage one another, as we continue to refine and shape and, and lift one another up, we might shine in this world knowing that we're not alone. We're part of a great community. And I pray that the drift of culture that pulls us away from you and away from one another will be stopped as we continue to meet together, encouraging one another, that the world might know you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.